Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. privilege to be here with you all today and all those in the overflow all those online welcome I'm gonna take us to Hebrews 12 28 29 if you don't know it then you weren't there it says do you see what we've got an unshakable kingdom and do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house and torching all that needs to burn. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for your presence in this place, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way Help me, Lord, help your sons and daughters. God, not by wise or persuasive words, but by the power of your Holy Spirit in this place, Lord, that you would do something, that you would change some things, Lord, for the good of not just us, but for others. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ah. Woo! It's been a weekend, y'all. Wow, my name is Priscilla Flowers, as Pastor Miriam said, and I'm a service leader to you guys if you come here regularly. If not, hi. Um, I'm usually here at the 1015 service. I'm a worship leader. Um, I've been married to my amazing husband for 10 plus years now, Chris Flowers. Um, we have two incredible amazing, spectacular little kiddos, my daughter, Lucia, who's six, and my Hudson, who is four, he's my son, not just my Hudson, my Hudson. Anyway, um, and we have officially been at Church Alive for over five years now, give or take, officially planted. We visited many times in their other space, um, but it took my husband to say, we're planting, join a group, this is our home. And I was like, okay, yes, we're planting. Um, and I have to tell you, oh, the worship team left, I was gonna honor them. It's too bad, so sad, uh, they left. Uh, but I love the worship team. I love our teams. Um, not just because I get to be part of a team, but really there are some incredible people. And man, the church is all about God's people. And there's so much gold in that. If you don't know, stick around long enough so he can reveal himself to you through the people who are around you. And you'll see the beauty that's all there. So as many of you know, this scripture was the main scripture for Consuming Fire this weekend. And we know the Lord moved in miraculous ways, as Pastor Miriam said. And Pastor Verlani, I'm going to need Kleenex. I'm going to cry. I know I'm going to need it. Pastor Verlani, thank you so much. Pastor Verlani, um, she spoke on don't fear the fire. And I have to be honest, in preparing for this, I have been literally set on flames. Okay? Because Pastor Miriam casually two weeks ago um, in a meeting said, oh yeah, and then you'll be um, speaking on that Sunday. And I was like, after RW? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that, right? I was like, 
I absolutely don't know that. And she said, oh, no, 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 you know, you were sitting in my office, it was you and Pastor Katie, and I said, you're speaking, and you literally went, and then you started writing. And I said, you were having a dream because I wasn't a part of that conversation at all, okay? I'm freaking out. I'm like, listen, I've never been in your office with Pastor Katie. I haven't been in your office in months. What are you talking about? So just to give you some context, when I say I've been set on fire, um, preparing for this message. Um, yeah. But what was so amazing is about when she told me that, I actually had a post-it note that I had put on my laptop I'm gonna share with you some of the words that it said. It said, Holy Spirit, teach me to surrender. Holy Spirit, give me a gift of faith. Holy Spirit, increase my capacity to carry more. God, I bless what you're doing in me. Give me your heart. I want your heart. Raise up one who will do what is in your heart and soul, based off of 1 Samuel 2.35. He answered my little post-it prayer, okay? <laughs> because he's increasing my capacity for more. Ah, you guys, I had nothing. I'm the kind of person that's like, all right, Lord, what do you want to say? I'm not the kind of person who will just like type something up. I, like, I don't take this lightly. So you need to understand, I've been sitting and like petitioning the Lord. There's even spending time with the Lord. Um, I've really found a, a peace like lately the last two times. I'm like, God, I know you're going to say what you want to say. So you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me. I'm going to relax. It's going to be fine. Well, it was Thursday, okay? And I was like, I got, I got nothing. I was like, I'm going to tell Pastor Miriam, but I'm going to let her speak on Saturday. On Saturday, I'll say to her, um, I got nothing. But she comes up on stage, and at the end, she's like, and Priscilla will be speaking tomorrow with Pastor Katie. Pastor Katie and I just looked at ourselves like, oh, no, this isn't it. All that to say, fast forward to the end of last night, and I approached her, and I was like, is this really happening? And she said, you've been anointed. And I was like, oh, okay. What she doesn't know is that, and Pastor Anthony doesn't know this, on the inside of this camo jacket that I had like painted and made, on the inside, I actually had written Isaiah 61 on the very inside. So where it says the Lord has anointed you. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. It's just too much of the Lord wanting me to die to myself. Okay? Yeah. So you've literally come to see me be set ablaze. And the altar has been prepared. So come, Lord. Um, um, but Pastor Miriam said, what do you have? What do you have? And I said, I've got like this little paragraph. And she said, all right. So use what you got. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you don't understand. And she's like, yeah, use what you got. She's like, you know, why don't you just speak on surrender? And I was like, great. My flesh inside is like, you're telling me what to speak on at 9 p.m. Um, the night before. Great, thank you so much for the, the tidbit. Um, but you know, I was reminded of a scripture that I had also um, been reading where we hear in John 6, 6 through 13, we hear about a little boy who came with two fish and five loaves and he didn't have very much. And actually, he wasn't even counted as part of the crowd because they were only counting the 5,000 men that were there. And he actually came and he said, here's what I have. And the Lord actually told everyone to sit down and get ready to eat because they would be satisfied with what he brought that was in his hand. So it may not seem like much. It may not seem like much. But I believe that the Lord is going to satisfy everything that you need in this moment this morning with what I'm going to say. Just like David and Goliath, right? He had these three little stones. You think a little slingshot. He didn't have the armor. He didn't have this like great equipment. 
but he literally slayed this giant, right? He took out this giant that was coming to defile and defame the Lord. And so the title of my message this morning is, What's in Your Hand? What's in your hand? What are you responsible for? And what are you carrying around? What are you holding tightly? What are those things that you haven't actually picked up because you feel like they're insignificant and not of any value? What is it that you maybe consider worthless? I believe that in order to access that internal kingdom of God that we're talking about, that unshakable kingdom, it comes with two attributes and values. It's humility and it's purity. And that means surrendering it to God, all of it, our selfish ambitions, our dreams, even our disappointments, our pain. We lay them before his feet. Because here's the thing, we tend to protect what we value most. You want to know what your idols are? You want to know what's not surrendered? What's that thing that you want to protect so much? It's like a safe. I don't put paper plates in a safe. Maybe I put things that I really, really value that I really want to protect. So what is it that you're protecting that perhaps you haven't actually surrendered over yet? About eight years ago, my husband and I went through a pretty stormy time, hurricane time. What kind of time would you call it, babe? Disastrous time, he said. Um, or maybe we didn't think our relationship was going so great. Um, and he was away on contract. He was an actor, so he was out of the house for like a month. And I was really spending time with the Lord. And in this time, I was like drawing and painting and little things. And the Lord actually gave me these couple of phrases that was going to get me through this time. And it was a time of surrender for me in a different way. And so I hope that these points actually encourage you in your walk to surrender. And I actually um, cut them out and I wrote it out and I ended up putting up in a little frame and I hung it in our bedroom. And I hope that this helps you. But the first point was that I am a daughter. That I get to rest with a father who's good, who's kind, who loves me, who will provide for me, that I can take all my cares and worries to him. He sees you as a son. You can be totally dependent. You don't have to be independent. You don't have to carry it on your own. I get to just lean into him without needing to even necessarily bring anything. A kid can do nothing for himself, but I got to rest in who he is and run into his welcoming arms. The second thing is to choose truth. I choose truth, the truth of God's word, what he has to say on a matter, and I meditate on that truth until it gets written into my heart. I will say it over and over, and I will not let go of that word. And I believe that before we change anything on the outside, we really have to change the way that we think. We have to renew our minds. I know it seems so like, oh, really? Is that a thing? It's totally a thing. Look at anybody who's walking down the street. I feel like I can tell you what internally their thoughts are, what they're thinking, by who they are, by how they act, by how they dress, by how they interact. I can already see on the outside what's going on on the inside. And that's where the kingdom of God resides. That's where we have the power and authority. We have to renew our minds. It's not just like a little mental activity. It's something we have to do. And I know even at Resilient Women, there was a lot of people who experienced freedom and deliverance. And that's amazing. Like, yeah, God. But when we think of like demonic oppression and stuff, that's so little. Like we have authority over demons. You easily say leave and they leave. But the actual journey you have to walk out after that is so much greater. And it's not a demon. It's you renewing your thoughts and your mind. 
I believe that there's certain people that you need maybe healing. If it was a spirit of addiction, well, maybe now, renewing your mind, you have to set up certain boundaries. Maybe you can't go to certain places. Maybe you can't be friends with certain people. And I even think when it comes to healing, what is that trauma that triggers you, that it's a pain that then causes you to drink? It's not a demon. It just means you need to be restored in your heart. That's all, that's all. And this was a big one for me, the presence over the promise. Presence over promise. Sometimes, and I, I love praying and petitioning the Lord for things, but let me tell you, I value time in his presence so much more because it is just talking to him. That's what it is, very simply put. And I have to tell you, like right now in our lives, we're believing for something big and we've been believing and contending for even a family as well, for them to have breakthrough in what they're contending for. And to be honest, it's been ups and downs because I'm talking to God, I'm in his presence. It's not just I'm seeking him because I want something from him, but he'll tell me how to pray. In the beginning, he told me, do you think you're praying a risky enough prayer? Why don't you ask me for something really big? Why don't you start making a list that seems really just outlandish that you think maybe I can't do? And I wrote out a list. And then as I still heard him speaking, he would do other things. He would tell me things. I started to get a little bit entitled. Lord, I want to see you move in the really big, the big, the big, big, big. And he was like, are you actually aware of what I've already done? Do you see me and all of these other things? Because now you're getting caught up on that that, you know, we talked about that, but now you're getting a little bit caught up in that. And I was like, oh, I need to go journal everything that I need to thank him for that he's been doing through the process. So then I go to thanking, 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 thanking him. And then he says, okay, I'm in his presence, I'm in worship, and I literally, I'm praying again, and I literally see him go like this to me, shh. He said, because I have a surprise for you, like as if it was in his pocket. I have a surprise for you right here. And you think that if you continue to pray and petition for it, it's gonna be because you prayed for it. And it's not because you prayed for it. It's because I wanna give it to you and I wanna surprise you with it and get all the glory for it, that you wouldn't glorify what you did through it. So in that presence, we get to have conversation. We get to experience him. We get to talk to him and see what he's saying. And honestly, that's the biggest treasure and reward of all. He can do exceedingly abundantly. He is our great reward. He truly is. So when you go into his presence, you'll find everything that you need in his presence. You need joy, you'll find in his presence. You need hope, you'll find in his presence. You need to feel comforted, you'll find it in his presence. Trust God. This is my other point. Trust God. That is a non-negotiable when it comes to surrender. You cannot surrender to something that you don't trust. And there's layers to it, right? I don't think it's all at once like, I trust you. It's gonna be a thing that we walk out. Like I find I'm like, I'm learning trust. And then I'm like, I'm learning trust. I'm learning to trust. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper into who he is. The more I understand who he is. <sighs> So I'm finally going to get to scripture so you guys can know that I'm in my word. Um, so there's Hezekiah in the Bible, okay? And the Lord had really brought this scripture to me about two weeks ago, and I was like, I don't know, Lord, why are you showing me this? But now I know why. Um, so Hezekiah, he was an incredible king because he restored the, the, all of Judah to being back to 
just worshiping the Lord, right? He got rid of false idols. He um, restored the Levites. He worshiped. He brought Passover back. All these things. He got rid of everything that his evil dad used to do. And um, there is a story of when the Assyrians were coming. They were like the heavy hitters of the day. And they're like, hey, we're going to come. We're going to take you out. So uh, your God is a nobody. And um, actually... Let me just tell you this, 2 Chronicles 31, 20, 20 to 21, this is describing Hezekiah. This was Hezekiah, did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God in everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly and so he prospered. Everything he did, he prospered. So he knew the Assyrians were coming. Isaiah, the prophet, is like, you need to pray. He prays to the Lord. And this was his prayer. Very beautifully short. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Isaiah turns around. He's like, you good. He's got this. Literally, that night, an angel of the Lord completely takes out 185,000 soldiers and kills them all. And they're like, goodbye, see you later, okay? <laughs> Which is incredible. Yes, give it up for God. <laughs> um, and so, Hezekiah became very sick at one point, and Isaiah's like, get ready, you're going to die. Um, and he actually petitions the Lord and he says, hey, would you give me some more years of life? And Isaiah says, oh, actually, yep, the Lord wants to heal you. He like puts a little something or other, can't remember now, on his little like bubonic plague wart thingy. And he was healed, okay? And um, he lives another 15 years. I don't know why that's hilarious. I'm talking about his like thing. Anyway. <laughs> So he's healed. He lives another 15 years. But what happens is his friends, the Babylonians, are like, you were healed? They send him a get well basket. Like, we're so happy to hear you're doing well. They come over. They visit him. And he's like, let me show you all my stuff. So he starts to show his treasures. He starts to show everything that the Lord has given him. And Isaiah's like, so let me ask you, what was it that you actually showed them when they were here? He's like, what did I not show them? I showed them everything that I have. So pride actually started to creep into his heart where he cared more about what other people thought about him than what the Lord thought about him. And here's the clincher. Isaiah comes and he says in 2 Kings 20, 16, 17, the time will surely come, this is him talking to Hezekiah, when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon, nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood who will be born, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. He said, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. For he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? See, that prayer that he prayed for us, for us, that security that he prayed for before with the Assyrians, now he's saying, where's, will I have my peace? 
He no longer cared about the generations that were to come. He didn't care about his kids. He didn't care about anything else but himself. And he died, and his son, Manessa, who took over, was one of the most evil, vile rulers to ever have existed, sacrificing his own children. So if there's something that I came to say today in these last two points, I want you guys to be alert and pay attention because I really believe the Lord is breathing on this word that the enemy is out to take the next generations. And if we don't wake up and start to do something about it, we're just gonna be cool with us, we'll have our peace, but the generations to come won't have peace and won't know the Lord. I believe that we're called to rise up in this moment for the other generations. I had a dream about two months ago um, it was a nightmare, to be honest. It wasn't a dream where um, actually I was seeing how children were being indoctrinated into like sexuality and all sorts of like immoral type things with video games and movies. And like with algorithms, they were measuring how it was actually um, affecting them and how they could more like do it more amply so that it would like affect the children and how they think and how they see. I woke up in tears crying and petitioning because I knew that it was from the Lord because I don't just get dreams about terrible things like that um, and seeing how it was affecting the generations. Pastor Katie had a, a vision maybe about a month or two weeks ago where it was almost like there was a fence and there was a bunch of people including herself and they were pushing the fence and as they pushed the fence there were like young kids, there were teenagers, they were coming and playing as we were making space and pushing these evil things away and taking ground and taking territory. <laughs> Pastor Miriam was preaching about what it means to actually go into prayer. What's happened to the intercessors of this generation? People who don't know how to pray anymore on behalf of the generations that will come. It's so important. And I wasn't even sure this is what the Lord wanted to speak about. But then last night, as I was preparing, I was woken up, my alarm was already set at 2 a.m. because I didn't have nothing to say and my husband is having a nightmare and I'm waking him up like hey what's going on and he says I just had a dream and I was in this big room and I was putting our kids to sleep and there was like two doorways and there was a conveyor belt and as I was telling you know our son oh go lay down Hudson there was almost like a man that came through the conveyor belt but he just like went right through but as he said lay down Hudson there was another man that came with a hat on and he said he in himself was not necessarily shady or, or weird or anything but I can sense that he came with something evil that was with him something that was on him and he Chris said don't come over here and literally, the man goes, oh, you can't handle it, Hudson? And gets in my son's face, but he couldn't hurt him because he was still on the conveyor belt and then just kept going. My husband was like, I need to get them out of here. I need to get them out of here. So he sends them over to like another room somewhere far away, but he knew that someone else had to be there on their behalf, that there was something else that was coming that was evil, and he, they were expecting someone to be there. So he said, I was nervous, I was anxious, and I wrapped myself up in this blanket, and I was filled with anxiety, and as I started to calm down and I started to fall asleep, I could see there was a wind, the window, there was a, a shadow of a sledgehammer coming down, and it was coming, and he's like, I start to scream, I hear you running to me, but I was so thankful that you were far away and you weren't there, and even though I was fearful in that moment, and then all of a sudden I woke up, 
And he was like, and I just had this revelation that it wasn't a weapon that came that was like a gun that was quick or just a gun that was like intimidating. A sledgehammer comes to destroy. It comes to obliterate. It comes to be messy upon everything that's around it. We need to wake up to what the Lord is calling us to do and to petition for this generation. I love my kids. I don't, I don't have a natural like tendency to be like, kids, yay, my kids are enough. They're a lot. But when I tell you, when the Lord kept being like, it's this, it's this, it's this. Man, I'm here to tell you, it's this. It's what's on his heart. It's what's happening. It's what he's doing. And sometimes we need somebody to stand in the place and be uncomfortable in situations that are uncomfortable so that other kids can continue to learn and play and grow and maybe we have to take the brunt of it. I don't think that these dreams are meant to intimidate us. I'm not afraid of it like, oh no, what's the world coming to? I don't feel like that. I don't. We need to start training our kids. We have to start training our kids because they carry an authority too that's maybe far greater even than the ones that we carry. And I know it because it's a promise. Psalms 127. Sniffing into the mic is so gross. Sorry. Psalm 127. Verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And I just picture my little kids, like two little snipers coming in in the room like, if we equip them. If we train them, if not, sorry, thank you for your sacrifice. We have to train them. And you may not have kids. You may be in this room and be like, I ain't got no kids. But there are so many kids that are in need of your love and attention and affection and to know the love of Christ, for you to share your story, your testimony of what the Lord has done through your life, what he's doing, for them to know that there's a real God we're not meant to keep those stories for ourselves. I'm also encouraged by this. Obviously, you know that I'm like a crusty little crafter. Um, and I was drawing. Um, and I drew this little like Russian doll in my time with the Lord. You know those Russian dolls, like a person and a person and a person, you know, like little people. And, um, and I wrote this. What we carry, sometimes unknown. I wrote this like three weeks ago, you guys. What we carry, sometimes unknown. What we carry, we did not own. But inheritance was ours before we knew to ask. And not all that's carried is weighed with bad. Thank you, Father, for what you've passed on through as they're all reflections of you, that you would increase more and more till we all stand tall on the shoulders of generations before. 
that he would increase. He's only going to continue to increase. He's a God of increase. I'm not intimidated by it because I know that we have the victory because unlike Hezekiah, who didn't continue to be obedient and pray and seek the Lord, I know that we are a people who do. I just think of that song we wrote last, that was just sung last night. It wasn't written last night. We sang it last night where it says, we will respond, we will obey every word you say, not on our own, not by our strength, but as you light the flame. Consuming firefall, come and purify us all. I think about that. He literally says he will heal our land as we seek him, as we obey him. So I did my little frame for me in my time of surrender. Um, but I also created one for my husband while he was away. And there were words that I was believing over him, maybe before he can believe it for himself. My last point is love, give love, love. <laughs> I know it sounds like a hippie song from the 70s. Love, give love, love, because it kind of was. I was like, we're in worship, and I was just like, love, give love, love. I was like crying. And the Lord's like, we have to be able to give, um, to be able to give love. And it looks like covering others. And so I was covering him in that moment. And the words over him were son, new beginning, choose life openly and expansively, soundness, truth equals reality. Not them, they, theirs, truth. Not whoever's truth is um, truthing on the Instagram. No, the truth of God's word is the reality. That, un that unshakable kingdom is true it's not a place that's out there it's already here it's here right now if, if i plugged in a radio all i have to do is catch a frequency and there's things that are happening in this room there's angels in this room that are ministering in this room that are all around us all we got to do is plug into that source last night when we were singing um more of you we want more of you we want more of you I was so excited because, you know, there was a lot of repentance that was happening in the house. There was a lot of um, purification that was happening. But I also believe that God wanted to restore joy. And the last point was joy that I wrote for him. Man, that's such a core value for my home. I love joy. Joy, righteousness, and peace. Because it is literally the spirit of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says heaven is like. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I love to laugh. You guys haven't noticed. I might not be funny, but I love to laugh. And I believe that for some people, the more of you, that we want more of you of God, is restoring joy back to you. And last night when we were in worship, I was so excited because I could feel it's not just his heaviness, it's not just his righteousness, it's not just his like purification, and it's all those things, but it's also joy. Man, where you were belly over and laugh and be like, ah, oh, like just that like, oh, joy in your gut that the Lord wants to give you as he walks with you. It's not just meant to be this like laborious thing. Prayer is not this laborious thing. There's a joy to it. So I just release that for anybody who needs that joy. Take it, it's yours as well. Make room for the joy of the Lord. You could all bow your heads. You know, he calls us his son and his daughter and he adopts us into his eternal family. And when I said he gives us new beginnings, you can choose today to start fresh. 
It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what happened on the way here. It doesn't even matter of who you're texting and you're mad at in this moment. There's new beginning for you in Christ. Choose a life that's open and expansive. Perhaps you think, ah, oh, there's nothing worth living for. I don't know. I don't feel this motivation anymore. I don't feel this fire stirring anymore. Can I tell you, stoke the fire. Sometimes I feel like we lose the ability to feel anything because we haven't actually been challenged. We can't expect to do nothing and expect to feel something. It takes that powerful discipline that Pastor Anthony was talking about. We have to do something that requires risk, that requires faith, that requires something different. For many of you, you may be like, I've walked away from the Lord. I don't know what all this means. I've, I've been in church before. I've been disappointed. Yeah, I've tried the surrender thing. Go again. Go again. Because he is so faithful. Sometimes we think it's the Lord turning his back, but it's just because we haven't run into his arms to allow him to be the one who would heal us, to restore us, to reconcile certain things, and just to have those hard conversations God's not afraid of your mess. He's not intimidated by your questions. You can come with your curiosities before him and surrender. So if you feel like, oh, I'm having this nudge, I feel like I have to do something new. I need to follow. Who is this Jesus? Who is this God that they're speaking of that I long to know more of him? Can I tell you, it's not about religion. I hate religion. Like, I'm allergic to religion. Like, I can't stand religion and traditions and all. It's nothing. It's nothing like that. It's a person. It's a person. It's not an idea. He's a person, and he longs to be near to you. So we're going to say a prayer in just a second. And it's not, again, the prayer that saves you. It's the person who you're going to come into relationship with who's going to literally transform your world. And not just your world, but generations to come. So if you can repeat after me as a church family. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Jesus, come into my heart as Lord and Savior. Forgive me and cleanse me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I confess I need you. I give you control of my life. I surrender everything to you. Help me walk with you and hear you by the power of your Holy Spirit so that I can be all that you've created me to be. With head still bowed, if that was you today and you made a decision to follow Christ again or maybe to follow him for the first time on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand just high enough and long enough for me to see it, to acknowledge it with eyes still closed in the room. If that's you, raise your hand. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he longs to know you and for you to know him. And three, he welcomes you into his family. Hands up hands up. I see it going up everywhere. I see that hand. 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 I see those hands in the back. I see that hand over there. God bless you, little one. I see you there. I see you. You can put your hands down. 
God, I thank you for your people, Lord. I thank you for everyone that's decided to walk this walk with you, Lord, that it would be a, a joy walk, dear God, that it would be a dance that they've never experienced before, Lord, that would change their world and change the world of the people all around them. I bless them and I bless you, church, in Jesus' mighty name, amen.